Welcome to On Mission, a podcast from the Catholic Apostle Center. Today we are joined by Father Frank, Chris, Kate, and Tyler, and we're discussing the Synod on Young People, the Faith, and Vocational Discernment. Well, before we start, I think it is important to welcome back Kate, who is back from maternity leave. Welcome back, Kate. Thank you. It's good to be back. How is life with another little one? Sometimes crazy, sometimes great, but uh, it's been a fun transition. It's good to be back, though, uh, using our gifts here back at the center. So as Kate welcomes another young person into her life, we, we turn to the Synod on young people, the faith, and vocational discernment. Um, take take it away. It went on for the for the la- uh, last. Are we still in the Senate? So. No, no, no. It went on for a while, though. It did go on for almost uh, almost an entire month. A month, yeah. Uh, to, to the point where I made so many posts about the Senate that people started to wonder if I was in Rome. <laughs> it was really kind of funny. Oh, Father, you're in Rome at the Synod. I said, yes, I'm behind the scenes. <laughs> you don't see any pictures of me actually there. Our, our team member, Brian Rood, was, was very much uh, our face and, and giving us, uh, giving us a front, uh, front row seat as well as the number of people we collaborate with. And so we, we did have some good inside views of what was happening there, which was really fun. This is the first... Synod, I think I probably paid as much attention to, um, you know, since we started talking about synods. I, I, the last one was when there was another one that happened on family, the right. two on family. Yes. And, and, and I remember just tertiary, but now I felt like we had so much more like coverage of what was going on in the synod hall because all of these people, all of the, you know, younger folk there were tweeting and taking pictures and sharing them. And then the bishops, too, themselves were a lot more bishops that were much more active on social media, uh, you know, while it was happening. Blogs, day-to-day journals. Mm-hmm. Reflections. I, Yeah, this is the first time the church has really uh, intentionally turned her gaze to young people and said, we want to listen to what you have to say. You are not only the future of the church, which I think young people have always heard, you're the future of the church. You're the future of the church. And today the, the church is saying, no, you're the present. You're the present. You're, the, you're here now, and we, we want to listen to you. We want to accompany you in your faith journey, and we want you to be contributing to the life of the church. You have gifts and talents as young people. You have passion and energy, and not only can young people learn from the wisdom of you know the church fathers and um, our religious leaders, but our religious leaders are now turning to young people and saying, "What can we learn from you?" And so I think that's uh, it's really a really exciting time to be a young person right now. I think when we look at what happened during that that period, it's a it's a very fascinating method that they use. This, you know, everybody makes these interventions first. First, there's all of this pre work that goes on. And then a, a document. The meeting before pre- the meeting. The meeting before the meeting, the preliminary document, and then lots of consultation. And then they had this, this pre-synod with 300 uh, young people there. And then add to that, and, and I think we need to also keep clarifying the fact that this was a focus on seven, uh, excuse me, 16 to 29-year-olds. So we're not talking about really teenagers other than 
those four years there, the, the bulk of it was really what we would consider here in the United States young adults. In some of some other countries, they, they just lumped that together as youth. And so that's why that, that term young people was being used because we're not really talking about teenagers, you know, that, that this is about youth ministry per se, but about really this, this period up to, uh, up to just about 30, um, which, you know, our friend Chris is still in. And, uh, just barely. Just barely <laughs> at, at this point. But we're, we're and, and certainly, you know, the, the opportunity for them to come together and to discuss. But what was really fascinating were the, was, I think it was 36 young adults who were present there in the hall. In the hall itself as auditors and collaborators. And a lot of them were able to give, I don't know what the right, the right term is. I think but it's intervention. Is the, yeah. even, even if they weren't a bishop, that's, we call them interventions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of them were able to give direct feedback you know, to the bishops, to the Holy Father in the hall, which I think was magnificent. And we saw a lot of that come through on social media right after it happened, which was remarkable. Chris, you were mentioning earlier the exposure that the synod has had. I felt like I was in Rome, a part of it, um, and that my voice was being heard through the voices of these young lay people that were able to engage the bishops directly. I Never before has that been done in the church, and it, it will be really interesting to see what comes of that as all the auditors and the young people go back to their home countries. Um, a lot of them are on fire now. They, 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 they feel a, a new energy. They feel that their voice has been heard, that the bishops and the, the Holy Father are listening. Um, so I'll be interested to see how long that takes to get back to the local level, to the parish level, the community level, how that will change how we approach dealing with young people, talking to young people. Have you guys felt any of that yet? Well, what wasn't, what wasn't on uh, really shown a great deal on social media was the times where they were in these, these little working groups or they called small circles and bishops and young people who were involved said they were really equal in terms of the conversation. It wasn't, Oh, the bishops just spoke. And whenever they the young people who were there were spoken to right much like they a group project in. from yes. school you had young folks and bishops and priests and religious sisters and religious brothers there you know all yeah, mixed together at this at these you know small groups um all you know talking about these different topics and i don't know about you but i communicated with various people who i knew who were there and just was, you know, chatting with them back and forth. And, of course, that, that ends up in the, you know, with the instant communication that we have, that ends up in conversations. Very then. true. People having an impact on the synod that were not even probably in the room. Yeah, um, which, which is really... In the country. Yeah. Yes. And, and that's, a, that's a really fascinating thing. I mean, it's not, it's not to me it's kind of clandestine, but I, I wondered about how many other people were doing a right. similar thing. As they were following along and they were reaching out to friends or people they knew, because when it's just bishops, who would you communicate with, you know, mm-hmm. unless you were really close to that bishop? But if you have people who you've done, you've collaborated with, worked with, and you checked in and said, hey, hey, how was that? Um, and that was really kind of fascinating and different. It was also really cool to see the, um, when the Pope or the bishops would take the time and just go and interact with folks just informally. 
and not needing that opportunity to get together, not even you know, outside the small group, outside the hall, um, taking the opportunity to make sh- you know to make sure that they had informal conversations and to break down these invisible barriers that both both you know clergy and lay people build that may not even really exist, but to just show um, you know, everyone's on the same page. We're all trying to make you know to try and move forward together. And to go back to what Tyler was saying, I hope that a lot of that. Uh, um, want of informality um, or accepting or open to informal conversation um, translates back here um, or back wherever you are um, around the country, around the world. Yeah, and, and that was something that Pope Francis was saying right from the beginning of the Synod. In his opening homily, he really stressed the point that this is a journey that the church is making together. It's not just the bishops or the religious leaders of the church. It's the church as a whole. And so he stressed over and over again the need to listen and to invite the Holy Spirit into this whole process, um, to be receptive to one another, even if you are encountering viewpoints that are different than your own. Uh, He really stressed just flexibility, openness, uh, a willingness to get outside of your comfort zone, which which won't surprise many people because he's been saying that throughout his entire papacy. But he just really reiterated that right at the beginning of the synod. He wanted to drill some of these points home that uh, this is we, we don't enter into the synod having preconceived notions and answers to questions. We are here learning and asking those questions together. And that makes a lot of people nervous. Um, but the the... The environment was just very informal. There was no barriers. People could speak freely and openly and um, be excited about the response. I saw a video on Facebook of conversations happening just outside the Synod Hall, and the Pope was just casually in the background having a conversation with a group of people. I mean, Chris, like you were saying, it was just unbelievable that there was no fear in the people that were there to speak what was on their minds and to say what they were feeling. Um, And it was just a really exciting time for the church. Yeah, at one point, I think they called uh, the the noise that emanated from the Synod Hall, they referred to it as music. So yeah. all the yelling, all the laughter, all the just all of the conversation that was going on, they looked at that as music, and I thought that that was really beautiful. And, and Bishop Kajano from the Diocese of Bridgeport, when he did an interview with our, our team member, Brian Rood, um, that's on our on our site, and he talked about that that, that, that that the young people in the room and involved in the mix changed the dynamic. It was not as staid. It was not just the polite applause. I was doing an interview, interview earlier with someone and uh, today, and th- that person who was there was saying that a similar thing, is that, that this was, it just changed the dynamic because there was this, well, all right, we're here, we were invited, and so we're going to participate, but in the way we participate, not just simply the preconceived way that everything's done. And, and when you unleash that, and we certainly see it with our work with Catholic Apostolate Center, when that's unleashed, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Father talked about that a fair amount, how the Holy Spirit then works and utilizes all of that in a, in a tremendous way. What I also th- found interesting was that in a similar things happen in my religious community because we're international and we're on every continent and so uh, except Antarctica but we have this 
the if if it, if things are have too much of a a European or a Western orientation, they'll the, our, my confreres from Africa and India from South America. They'll enter in and they'll say, nah, "That's not really how it is for us." And that some of that happened in the synod as well. That the the bishops and the young people from look some of your issues that you're talking about are really Western issues. And they're not necessarily our issues. We, we appreciate what you're saying, but that can't be the whole of the church. And I, I think that's an important piece that was brought in, you know, by, by both synod fathers and, and also the young people who were present there. Uh, they, they kept talking about the one uh, person from Iraq who had to go back to his family and who talked about just the whole devastation of, of being just short of wiped out. As Christians, you know, 1,500, 1,600 years or more. And it's just a, a, a reality that is not something we experience here, for example. And I don't think it's a reality that will be fully captured in a single document or in a single pastoral initiative. You know, people are saying, well, okay, this synod happened, this great meeting happened, and what's what's going to come from this? What's the fruit? And that's still to be determined, but we can't solely be looking for the document that comes out or, you know, for a program. And I don't think Pope Francis would want that. I think we we need to ask ourselves, okay, what are some of the key things? What are some of the themes from this synod? And how does that apply to my own life, either as a young adult or someone who is surrounded by young adults in your parish? Uh, what does it mean to have the laity be contributing to the role of the church, to using their gifts and talents for the glory of God? So, you know, I think a lot of us are asking ourselves now, how can we use what we've learned from the synod to move forward? At a national level, that's being done uh, right now and, and has been. There's been a lot of pre-work that's been done out of the Lady Marriage, Family Life, and Youth Secretariat of the Bishops' Conference. And there's a, an interview with Paul Jarzembowski from that office that's on our site. And when what he was talking about was how the— and we as Catholic Apostles have been very much involved in these conversations, this national dialogue about youth and young adult ministry or the Young Adult Ministry Summit that was back in, uh, in May of 2018, a Young Adult Ministry Forum that will, in Tampa in, in December of uh, 2018, really trying to get people to, t- to look at all these things that the Synod has been talking about now— and getting disparate voices, not just the same people talking the same language, but how can we, as Catholics that are are looking at this from a variety of perspectives, come together and serve the needs of, of young people even more effectively? And and that's a that's a bit of a tall order. It's not not exactly easy because we know what's happening. How many people are disaffiliating? Uh, how many people are just not as engaged as they could be or are not even welcomed many times? Wasn't one of the proposals uh, that came out of the final document of the Synod was to create institutions and centers dedicated solely to young adult ministry and, and to young adults? And don't we don't we kind of see that already a little bit in the U.S., but the goal is to increase that impact and to find new creative ways of utilizing technology 
and the church's vast resources to to target those young people that are feeling lonely, isolated, uh, forgotten. And and not to not to toot our own horn as as Catholic Apostolate Center, but in many ways we're doing a number of those things that are being talked about. I was just going to say I. I believe one of the recommendations specifically was websites associated with, you know, this kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, it, it, we are certainly doing great work, you know, and, and um, we encourage you to check out our our resources online, CatholicApostleCenter.org. Um, I will toot our horn. Uh, you know, we're doing great work and a, a lot of and, – and, and I hope one of the – you know, one of the reasons why I'm involved here as well as many of our staff is – as young adults is because we feel this passion to get involved and the center gives us the opportunity to do that. And so the hope is that there are many more opportunities like us that grow out of this um, and encourage uh, that young adults are not just over there, but they are fully engaged and um, participating in taking what has happened in the Synod and bringing it into reality. And really, really listening to what what's being said, and and being able to say, okay, how can we then? How can these ideas, these possibilities, be brought brought to fruition, and which could be very fruitful for the church? Yeah. How do the how do the evangelized become an evangelizing community? And that's something that was touched on in the Instrumentum Laboris, the working document for the Synod. So, you know, if we have had an encounter with Christ and with the beauty of our faith, how are we sharing that as young adults, most of us, uh, with our peers, with our neighbors, with our coworkers? So I think the Synod, too, can be a call to action to all of us to think about where we are in our faith and how we're sharing that with others. To be apostles, to be apostles. And missionary disciples, <laughs> and, and exactly. And and I think that that it doesn't have to be a lot of people. I think if 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 each person just was simply present to a couple of people, imagine what that can do. You don't know the impact that you have, and and you shouldn't you shouldn't think oh someone else will do that. And so if you feel that if you feel moved, you should accept that movement and and you know. Go ahead and engage. Um, yeah. No, I've seen these things where if each person brings one person into the church and then that person goes out and brings one person into the church and it's just one, one per- your encounter with one person multiplied by everyone having an encounter with one person, all of a sudden the church doubles, triples, quadruples, and people are on fire left and right. And so I think the Holy Father was trying to emphasize it's, it's our personal responsibility to to, to say how what we're feeling, how we're feeling, to, to say that we love Jesus Christ and we're on fire with Christ. And we want a church that will give us the, the resources, the community to help us keep that fire alive and brewing and spread it to others. I mean, the church started off small. Christ started with 12, and here we are today. And so he focused intensely on, on 12 men, but within that circle, I would say three um, Peter, James, and John. Those were his inner circle. And from that, they went out to all the nations. And so we don't have to be afraid of being a small church. 
uh, because it is when we are truly committed to our faith that we can actually go out and make change. Uh, but I also wanted to say, too, that, you know, as young people, as a young person myself, I think, okay, what am I going to do? What what can we do? Like, let's 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 go forward. Let's act. Um, but I think we need to also couple that with with just sitting for a time being and listening and discerning. Um, and again, as Pope Francis was saying, inviting the Holy Spirit, uh, he modeled just a, a really beautiful uh, practice during the synod by asking that every few conversations, the whole synod would stop and, and have three minutes of silence to reflect upon what was said, what was shared. And so you had that opportunity to be continually discerning. And that was another theme of the Synod, this ongoing discernment of what our vocation is um, and how we're achieving that vocation, how we're responding to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And so I think we need both. I think we need this time to reflect and, and to have moments of silence so that when we do act, we act even stronger and are, are in line with God's will for us. So one of the things that the Holy Father mentions in in his kind of closing remarks to the Synod, um, which really stuck out to me, was that the Synod was not a parliament. Um, the Synod was never meant to be some kind of parliamentary decision-making body, wherever you know. Um, but it is a protected space for the Holy Spirit to act, and we've already talked a lot about that, um, and that only reinforces what Kate was saying about letting silent having having some silence to think and to reflect on what was said. Um, and I think just, you know, taking that idea of, you know, hey, the, you know, the church, the church has been around for a really long time. Um, we, they kind of, you know, they know what they're doing. And maybe this, you know, is an opportunity to take this idea of the synod not being a parliament and to have the idea of, you know, reflect before speaking. Um, some, I, sometimes I think that that is a good, it's a good takeaway. It was a takeaway for me, at least, was, um, you know, when when you are in a period of debate or conversation or you're talking about something with anyone that may be a, a hot topic or a contentious issue that you need to take the opportunity to reflect on what has been said um, and let the Holy Spirit kind of come in and help you make the, the next move and make those next decisions, which I, I, that was one thing that I pulled out of there. And the concept of synodality that has come up on, on a number of occasions is really an opportunity for people to say what they're thinking and not necessarily get into a big debate about it, but here's what, here's the different thoughts that are there. And then we discuss in a civil yeah. way, which is really difficult it's not in as today's if, society. It wasn't as if someone got up and said, well, I object with what you're saying there, Archbishop XYZ. You know, there was the opportunity for every point of view to be heard um, and then a period of reflection. And it wasn't, it, well, you're right, it wasn't a point-counterpoint. It was something about saying what you're thinking and reflecting on the conversation as a whole. With, I was really... With all the different parties at the table, like lay, we, we mentioned this earlier, lay, religious, man, woman. Um, and I think that's what the church needs more than ever right now, especially with all the terrible news this summer. We need that full conversation. We need everyone at the table 
voicing their opinion, holding each other accountable. Um, and I think that the synod was a great opportunity to to see how the church can move forward um, in this new world, this new age, um, with a, a ton of young people on fire for the church um, that want to keep the church as her best self. And what excited me, too, was that it was in St. Vincent Pilates' hometown. <laughs> and that type of, of behavior on the part of the church is something that he really promoted. Yes, we have different roles. He always understood that. The, the, the hierarchy and the clergy, you know, clergy and the, the religious and the lay all have different roles. But we can all sit down at the table and look at a common issue. And he took a great deal of interest in youth and young adults, uh, creating an, orphan, uh, an orphanage for girls after a cholera epidemic um, who were just kind of left and having no family. Uh, boys and young men who worked out in the fields and created a night school in one of the churches uh, for for them to learn basic reading and math and catechesis. A lot of spiritual direction and teaching of young seminarians and guidance of priests and a really sought-after confessor. But he understood what, what the church is talking about right now, that go where people are, find where they are, what their needs are, and then walk with them but not in a meandering way, so that they become apostles. And, and it was really beautiful to see that possibility. Now, you know, you're always going to have the curmudgeons. You're going to have those, the, the people who will, who will go on that it wasn't enough and it wasn't this or it wasn't that or whatever. But I, I did see a progression um, in terms of, and I think it really had to do with that there were just so uh, such a, a concentration of young people and such a focus that was there um, in terms of a lot that went out from there that was actually very positive from the from the synod hall and and people saying oh okay yeah this is actually happening in a very positive way that's the thing about Pilati he like envisioned the Second Vatican Council a hundred years before it happened, and he envisioned this conversation of the whole church at the table 150 years plus before it's happening right now today. Um, and I think folks out there who who want to learn more about collaboration and co-responsibility and how the lay and the clergy can work together and have these types of conversations should really dive into Palatine spirituality, and we have all those resources on our website, and it's a, it's a great place to start. And we're developing even more right now. We're developing more things around. The Synod has certainly set us on fire. <laughs> yes, you know, around mentorship and accompaniment and around co-responsibility and around uh, lay ministry, lay apostolate and lay leadership. So we're, we're, we're in the process right now of developing some even more, many more resources around those areas because right now it's a need. And not only right now, it's been but to be able to, for people to be even more conversant about it and not just a, a set of church professionals, but, but everyone who, uh, who is involved and, and cares about the life of faith and wants to live it in an, in an authentic way as an apostle. And I think one of the ways that we've been doing that, at least for the past three or four years, first here in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C., and now uh, we've spread out into Galveston, Houston, um, is with our program Apostles on Mission. 
And that's a 10-week program where we, we've started with young adults, um, but, but that's certainly open to all adults. Uh, and we've, we've invited them into this 10-week session to learn more about the faith, but also to challenge them to create something that we've called evangelization startups. So projects and ideas and ministries that the average layperson can, can come up with and think of in order to meet unmet needs in their community or their parish and to start practicing what does it mean to be an active member in my church is, you know— we don't have to have theology degrees. We don't have to be priests or religious to be involved in our church. And I think at the Catholic Apostolate Center, uh, especially with our patron and uh, of St. Vincent Pilati, we've had that notion for a long time. And so we, we wanted to accompany young adults first in that and walk with them and say, here, here's a program in which we invite you to in order to do that, to, to continue to build your faith life, and then also to take action and to use your gifts and talents, again, um, to, to change and transform your community and your parish. And so that's, I believe, in its fourth or fifth year now, uh, and that's spreading nationally. And so we're really excited about that. And I just feel like the Synod has really reaffirmed some of the work that we've been doing now for, for a few years. You can find out more about Apostles on Mission uh, at our website or at apostlesonmission.org. You can find uh, all the resources that we've talked about today at, at our website, uh, catholicapostolatecenter.org. Uh, you can go back and listen to our earlier podcast on the Synod. You can find that uh, on your Android or iPhone or other device or whatever podcast service you're using. I encourage you to... Uh, to please share the podcast and uh, with your friends, your family, and uh, and please leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. Uh, it's very, very important. Um, and we want to leave you with with just a, a note uh, from from the the letter that was released after the synod um, to young people from the synod fathers. The, the one of the lines that really spoke uh, to many of us um, was that to remember that you are the present, and it's important that you be a brighter future. <laughs>